Audible Scripts presents Reese Crawford made a name for himself in the legal field by winning cases other attorneys thought were lost causes. Courted and groomed by one of Seattle's oldest and most prestigious law firms, Reese enjoys a life of money and power he could only dream of as a child. You're going to be the youngest senior partner ever at your law firm. One of Reese's most high-profile clients is Ray Lyons, a prominent Seattle real estate developer. Reese has successfully represented him in six DUI cases, all of them dismissed through artful legal arguments and dogged fact-finding. One DUI, a dozen DUIs, everyone's entitled to representation. But the stakes escalate. Our favorite real estate mogul, Ray Lyons, is back in the news. Yet another DUI, and this time... Reese, I think I may have killed someone. Realizing that having kept a client with a drinking problem out of jail may have resulted in someone's death, Reese takes a sabbatical from the firm. Don't take too long. We can't wait forever. And escapes to the Skykomish River to fish for steelhead and work through his guilt. While on the river, Reese meets Amanda Black, a wholesomely beautiful woman who, like him, enjoys the solace of chasing steelhead. I used to sit on the bank and pretend he was a wizard casting spells over the fish with his magic wand. <laughs> Amanda is the first woman in a long time who stirred his interest beyond a simple one-night stand. The couple share more than a passion for steelhead fishing and a romance ignites. The perfect relationship. Until Reese makes the sickening discovery that his DUI client was the party responsible for the death of Amanda's only child. I miss her so much, I can't breathe. Will Reese hide the truth from her? Or will he disclose his involvement in the loss of her daughter and risk losing her forever? The River by Tolan S. Ferruccio Narrated by Steve Krumloff Washington State, Skykomish River, Day A colorful fall day on the Skykomish River, Reese Crawford, Mid-thirties, a playboy attorney, stands thigh-deep in the water, fishing while holding a cell phone to his ear. Government Office Larry Mitchell, mid-thirties, a tired and jaded city prosecutor, sits behind a gray metal desk piled high with case files. Larry holds a phone to his ear. I guess what they say is true. Six times a charm. Could be, but not this time. Do yourself a favor and dismiss the DUI against Lyons. Are you kidding me? He blew a 2-2, almost three times the legal limit. Larry frantically searches through the files on his desk. Reese calmly makes another cast, watching the tip of his float drift slowly downriver. Jury will never know that. See the toxicologist affidavit? Uh-huh. Novak signed the affidavit under oath on October 5th in Olympia, Washington. That's right. That's where his office is. Problem is, on October 5th, Novak was in Hawaii at the National Toxicology Convention. Larry grabs the file again and pulls out the police incident report. Still got the police report. And from what I read, it's pretty cut and dried. That's your other problem. Take a look at another DUI report filed by Officer Lane. Larry searches through several folders on his desk and pulls out a report on another incident. What about it? On or about blank? At blank hours, the suspect was traveling westbound on 124th Avenue Northeast in the city of Kirkland, County of King. Shit. They're all identical. I figure since we've known each other for, what, eight years now, I'd let you dismiss this quietly. Or 
we could have a full-blown evidentiary hearing in open court, and the rest of the defense bar can hear about your phantom toxicologist and your cut-and-paste cop. It's been nine years. And I'll call Novak as a state's witness and question him about the report in court. I don't think he'll appreciate that. Get him on the stand and I'll question him about the convention. Rumor has it that the woman he was having my ties with wasn't his wife. You wouldn't. Of course I will. Zealous advocacy, right? The float is pulled underwater, resets the hook, line screams off the reel. You fishing? Nope. Catching. Damn. I gotta get a job like yours. Reese cautiously follows the fish downriver. Gotta go. Gotta steely. I'll see you Monday. Reese puts his phone away. The chrome bright steelhead jumps and runs, bending the fishing rod. Hold on, baby. Reese guides the steelhead out of the bank and grabs its tail. He lays the freshly caught fish next to its identical sibling and opens his wallet to mark his fishing license. Reese stares at a picture in his wallet, an old but well-preserved photo of his father holding a monstrous steelhead and his mother beaming next to him. He carefully puts his wallet away. Riverbank Reese walks upriver with two steelhead on a stringer. He approaches a young boy fishing with his father. The young boy fishes without enthusiasm, cold, tired, and bored. He sees Reese's fish and his eyes light up. Wow, you caught those here? I've never caught fish like that. The father nods at Reese and gives him a slight wave. Reese kneels in the shallow water to the young boy's eye level. Let me see what you've got on there. The boy beams with pride and shows Reese a sparsely tied jig. Tied this myself. Reese unhooks his jig and bites through the line. He shows the boy the jig. Caught both these hens on this. The boy stares at the jig in awe. Here, give it a try. The boy gingerly takes the jig and hurriedly ties it to his line. Take your time. Do it right. You've got one shot at the steelhead. Make sure it's perfect. The boy offers Reese his jig. Reese takes it and smiles. Oh, thank you. Nice jig. I'll fish it when it's a bit more overcast. Reese stands and shakes the boy's hand. The young boy enthusiastically casts his line as Reese walks away. I got one, I got one, Dad, I got one. Reese smiles. Old-time tackle shop. The bell above the door jingles as Reese walks in. Yellow morning light shines through dusty windows. Reese removes his sunglasses and inhales deeply. Sean, 40, heavy set and jovial, notices Reese. Morning, counselor. Hey, Sean. How's it hanging? Same as always, a little low and to the left. Reese squats to look at fishing floats on the bottom shelf. His eyes catch a pair of shapely legs on the next aisle. He stands and looks over the shelf at Amanda Black, brunette, early 30s, wholesomely beautiful. Looking for something? Hello and welcome to this edition of the Audible Scripts Behind the Scenes interview. I'm your host, Deborah Mark, and today we're going to be talking to some of the cast members from the Audible script, The River. Joining us today is writer Tolan Furusho, Markham Anderson, who plays Reese, Sadie Henschel, who plays Amanda, and Katie Lee, who plays Heather. My first question is for Tolan. How did you come up with the story for The River, and why did you decide to partner with Audible Scripts to produce it as an audiobook? When I uh, decided to write a screenplay, I picked the legal genre just because, um, just by its very nature, it has a lot of conflict. Uh, we operate under an adversarial legal system, so you always have one party against another, whether it be in criminal law or civil law. 
And when I started the river, it uh, was more of a legal drama with focuses uh, focusing on uh, civil dissolution or divorce. And when I started developing it, uh, the character Amanda started to come out as being the stronger character. And when colleagues reviewed my uh, screenplay, they, they mentioned that. And that wasn't my original intent. Um, then I decided to shift it more towards a prosecutorial uh, criminal defense type of adversarial system. And developing the screenplay, I wanted to show uh, both the legal aspect of it and to bring in something that I'm really passionate about, which is steelhead fishing. And the characters just seem to come together uh, around the river a lot more organically than uh, I originally planned, and it became a love story. So it, it went from a, I guess, a legal drama to more of a love story, and it kind of just flowed that way. And I decided to partner up with Audible Scripts because uh, Will contacted me, and he said that he read my screenplay on one of the sites that I visited, and I did some research on Audible Scripts. I saw what they did. I thought it was a great concept. It was a new business. I was a new writer, and it seemed like a great fit. You had to make a lot of tough choices as you wrote the story, I'm sure. Can you tell us about one of your toughest? The toughest choice I, I had was to have Reese uh, go from the criminal defense world to the prosecutorial world. I really did not want to do that. I wanted to keep it uh, having the prosecution against the uh, criminal defense attorney and, and structure the story around that. Um, but then a colleague I was talking with that, with whom I, I review scripts with, he mentioned that perhaps to show Reese's character arc, he should go from a criminal defense attorney to a prosecutor. And even though I struggled internally with that, once I realized the potential for that and I started investigating it, it allowed me the different opportunities to change uh, Larry Mitchell the prosecutor, from the antagonist to sort of a mentor uh, ally. And in the original versions of the script, William was the mentor and the ally. Uh, by having Reese go from a criminal defense attorney to a prosecutor, those two roles uh, changed quite a bit. The change, it, I believe it gave me the opportunity to develop their characters a little more. Instead of having Larry just the big bad prosecutor, by having him as the ally, it gave me more flexibility with uh, exploring him as a person. And likewise, instead of having William, the hero or the protagonist's uh, ally, and having him the mentor, it allowed me to delve more into the psychology of, of a, a big firm. Um, kind of the, for lack of a better term, the evil machinations of what makes the law go round. So then you're so happy was, with the changes then? Oh, most definitely. Um, like I said, I, I think the characters developed a lot better. They're a lot richer, a lot deeper. And that would not have been accomplished had I kept them in their original roles. So is that part of writing something like this, that you get feedback from others and you make changes like you had to do? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, I'm very grateful for the people that edited my screenplay or gave me comments on it. Um, obviously, you can't take all the comments or all, do all the changes. But I think um, a big part of it is you have these ideas in the back of your mind, and whether or not you explore it is one thing. But when you have two, three, or four people say, you know, this might be a good idea, or perhaps you should explore this, uh, gives you more confidence to go out and, and explore it. 
All right. Thanks, Tolan. Thank My you. next question is for Markham. Markham, you've been a voice actor for more than 15 years, right? Uh, around 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was the most challenging aspect of voicing the main character, Reese, and how does that compare to work that you've done in the past? Well, I started out in radio back in California. I'm actually from Texas, but uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps in the early 90s, um, I started in radio, and then it progressed from there. I started doing a lot of funny bits, writing funny bits, doing funny voices. <clears throat> I've always done uh, celebrity impressions, and I can't be serious. And once I get into roles like this, I have to turn the comedy button off and suddenly get serious and I can do it and I enjoy it. And then immediately when my line is over, like with Reese playing Reese Crawford, I start thinking of basically I'm a 50 year old teenager and I'm always replaying Wayne's world in my brain or the movie airplane or something like that. I just like to laugh all the time. And the funny thing about Reese is suddenly I have to be super serious and a little bit of humor can bleed in like lighthearted moments uh, with Amanda, my love interest, but um, not over the top. And that was hard for me at first when I started doing dramas, but now I really enjoy it. And playing someone like Reese, uh, Tolan wrote a great character. He's very complex. He's got a lot going on in his in his brain and in his soul. And it's fun to tap into that. So can you give us an example of one of the uh, funny characters that you have played in the past that's so different than Reese so we can we can see uh, we can see the difference? Uh, I know yeah, I'm putting was, you on the spot. I was in a book. I was in an audio book called Elijah Hale. It's a, an Australian author named Steve Goodwin. And um, <clears throat> it was about a year ago. And I had to play an alcoholic clown as well <laughs> as narrating the book, plus a couple of other characters. And I had to jump back and forth in real time between this clown who's got a real drinking problem and then back into, and so Johnny the Clown, you know, then back into the narrator thing. And it was it was fun, but it was draining um, emotionally because I had to really go back and forth between those. And if you record them separately and then stitch it together, I just, I didn't, it's very time consuming for one uh -huh. thing. And um, I just thought I would just jump between them all, and it really came out better. I actually put more effort into each individual character, four characters plus the narrator. And uh, playing this guy who's trying to be on a kid's show on Saturday morning and make the kids laugh. But then in between the commercial breaks, he's sucking on a bottle of vodka. <laughs> All right. Tell us about your creative process on this project during those times that you were away from the microphone. So how did you prepare for your performances? Did you rehearse in the shower? Did you have someone read with you? Well, I'm, I'm lucky that I know a lot of celebrities and uh, I was able to get my good friend Sean Connery on the phone several times and he would go over lines with me. And um, when he described my character, that really helped me. You know, Markham, your character is age 35. He's an attorney with a preternatural gift for the law. You grew up with a profound respect for social justice, and you became an attorney. You want to help people, but you're not a nice guy. And I would say, thank you, Sean. No, I, I just read the background of the character. By the way, and, that was uh, a very good impression. <laughs> yeah, thanks. 
Um, I've made a lifetime out of uh, doing silly voices and not getting paid for them. Um, but yeah, just reading like how Tolan describes his character, um, <clears throat> the age. I don't really look at age. Um, I have a deep voice, which is great for radio, but I try to not concentrate on that when I'm doing these um, dramatic parts. Uh, I try to just be a normal guy, a guy next door. And um, it was hard for me in the beginning, but I'm get, I think I'm getting better at it. And I just try to flesh out the character, and I just keep going back and looking at the profile of the character uh, several times. And especially before we do our scenes, I look at it again to make sure I'm not missing anything. Do you have any advice for voice actors out there who might just be getting started in their careers? I would stay in school, uh, not do drugs. I would uh, choose another profession, like a cop. Um, <laughs> Why is that? Or, Why? <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Um, I look at it this way. We do this because we love it. If you don't love it um, and you're doing it for other reasons, you're going to fail, and you're going to fail pretty quickly. Um, it's not for everybody. Um, there's a million people who have good voices and people told them their whole lives, you've got a great voice. You should be in radio. That's fine. Um, but to be an actor and to really, um, peel these characters apart like an onion and then put them back together. Um, it's not easy and not ever, everyone can do it. Um, that's why a lot of on-camera actors flounder and flounder for decades and never quote unquote make it, um, I actually have a lot of on-camera actors as friends out in uh, L.A., and it's fun to talk to them because we share, we're not on-camera. We're just voice actors, but we share the same gripes and complaints and annoyances and um, stories, and we all were like a fraternity, and it's so much fun. And when I'm doing these characters... I just love it. You get into the moment, even if it's just one line. You want to make that one line the best line you can. And that's the challenge. And if you don't love it, don't do it. That's my advice. Good advice. And it, you're obviously doing a great job. So thank you so thank much. You. Okay, we're going to go turn now to Sadie, who plays Amanda. Sadie, you've had a lot of experience in theater. Tell me how your past work helped you prepare for your role in The River. Thanks, Deborah. Um, I think that no matter what kind of acting you're actually doing, if it's stage or film or voice, I think acting always comes down to just the very basic foundations. Um, theater training has definitely helped me in that sense. Um, with all of my training in school, we spent so much time focusing on character development and the script work of it. And that has helped me be able to develop a character, um, just being able to give your character really strong motivations and intentions, even just breaking your script up into beats or verbing your lines. It, it's all going to help um, no matter what type of acting you're doing. And it, it just helps to give your character a lot more depth, um, especially with Amanda. I think that since she has such a complicated and tragic past, the more depth I was able to put into her character and the more background I could um, find for her, the more relatable I was able to make her. And mm -hmm. theater has definitely led me to be able to do that and guided me 
to be able to break things down into very specific parts and just focus on the foundation, focus on the basics. Compared to theater, what would you say are the pros and cons of performing in an audio production? You can do it in your pajamas. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> um, I think for That's me, a pro. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, one of the main reasons that I went into theater was the interaction with the audience, and you definitely don't get that as much with audio um, audio work. Being on stage and feeding off of the energy that you're getting from the audience is an experience like I've never never been able to experience anywhere else. But I think it's just about being able to recreate those experiences in a different form. So instead of feeding off of the audience, feeding off of your fellow actors, feeding off of the voices that you're hearing, even if you are sitting in your living room by yourself. Um, yeah, the, the pros definitely, I mean, you can, you can do it anywhere. You can be halfway around the world. I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada here, and I've been able to participate in these productions because it's audio work and I don't have to be there in person, which I'm, I'm so grateful for that I can, I can still be a part of it. There were some pretty powerful emotional scenes in this for Amanda. And rumor has it that you were able to shed some tears during <laughs> offline rehearsals, but you had some difficulty getting back to that place while recording with the full cast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> I see Will leaked, leaked my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. He tells um, me everything. <laughs> I think that it's a challenge for all actors to get to that emotional point. It's definitely one of the biggest um the biggest challenges for me personally in acting is being able to bring myself to a place so emotionally charged and yet not necessarily have any connection to what's actually happening in, in my own life. Um, whether why I could bring it up in rehearsal and not in performance, it's a good question. I think it's it's just a matter of being able to be vulnerable in that moment and actors in general I feel have to be extremely, extremely vulnerable and extremely open. And it's just a matter of if you're able to do that. When I'm sitting here by myself with no recording, I, I can do it a lot easier, I think, um, as opposed to <laughs> knowing that there's other people listening. And I was close. I was, I was very, very close. There was dampness in the eyes. There were just no actual flowing tears. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> it's tough when that happens. Yeah. So what's what's the next step for you? Do you have any new projects in the works? Not at the moment, um, but hopefully I'm going to keep auditioning for Audible scripts for sure. And I'm still very, very new at voice acting. So I, I'm trying to get a demo together, trying to get an agent, all of that uh, fun stuff and just just kind of see where it goes. Well, good luck with that. You did Thank a great you. job. Thank you very much, Deborah. Our next question is for Katie, who plays Heather Stacks, a name that might have been chosen to make a statement about the character. Is that right, Tolan? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, you've had a tremendous career in animation and doing children's voices. What was it like playing a more sultry character? Oh, it was wonderful. I, I rarely, rarely get to do that. So I really appreciate Will giving me the opportunity and Tolan to do that because it was, it was really fun. A little bit out of my uh, my uh, uh, character, I don't know what you would say, paradigm, normal life. <laughs> would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. I don't know if they'd hire me. Did I do an okay job? <laughs> 
I think you did. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yes, I would love to do it again. What was the biggest challenge playing that role since it was out of your character? Right. Just, you know, sometimes it's reminding myself that I'm okay. You know, when you're used to doing certain things, uh, you know, sometimes checking as a voice actor, we fall into a trap. I've seen it. I've been doing this for 30-something years. Um, where you're focused so much on how the voice sounds that you lose the acting. And I think it's important uh, to just focus on the acting. And well, trust that you have the voice. The director will correct you. If for there some you reason go. it's not right. Whoop, there goes the car. <laughs> Most Those sound voice- effects were just added. <laughs> Isn't that great? Right. I did that all with my mouth. So you do yeah. sound effects too. Okay, so that's cool. Most yes, voice I, artists... I just found out I could do a squirrel. Oh, you want to do it for us? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so most voice artists dream of having a career like yours. So what's left on your voice artist bucket list? Something that you want to do you haven't done yet? A Disney film. Do you have a, a certain type in mind? I don't care. I just want my, my I want a part in a Disney film where my name's on the screen. So you don't care what kind of part you play. You just you just want to do a Disney film. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, actually, you know what? I mean, it'll probably pays the same if my name, you know, even if my name isn't on the screen. But uh, I would love to be a Disney film right. or a Pixar film. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. So let's go back to the rest of the cast. Is there anything any of you guys would like to say? Anything unique about yourselves? If you weren't an actor. Perhaps, what other career would you have chosen? Uh, I want to be a fireman. (laughs) (laughs) Either a singer or a photojournalist. What can you sing for us? Anything you want. Uh, You choose. All right. Do we we have copyright issues we have to worry about? (laughs) I usually do Les Mis. I usually do Les Mis. Oh, I love Les Mis. (laughs) I dreamed a dream in time gone by. When hope was high and life worth the living, I dreamed that love would never die. I dreamed that God would be forgiving. Yay! I love that song. Wow. That's one of my favorite songs in Layman. Me too. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. All right, you guys, thank you all for taking the time to sit down and chat with me about the river. It was so much fun. Thank oh, you. You're welcome. Thank you, Deborah. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Audible Scripts Behind the Scenes interview. I'm Deborah Mark, and thanks for joining us. And remember to ask all your friends Have you heard any good movies lately? Behind the Scenes interview, produced by Deborah Mark. Original music by Ben Sullivan, available on iTunes.